Welcome to another edition of the College Faith Podcast, sponsored by Global Scholars. This is Stan Wallace, your host, and today I continue my series on campus ministries. My guest is Ben Nugent, the National Director of Navigators Campus Ministry. As a Navigator staff for 21 years, Ben not only brings the perspective of a senior leader of the ministry to our conversation, but many years in Navigator Campus Ministry himself. He's the best person I know of to help us understand how the Navigators minister to university students. Ben, welcome to the show. It's great to be with you, Stan. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. You know, one of the aims of this podcast is to help students and their parents understand uh, how they can flourish during the college years. And as many of my guests previously have emphasized, it's very important that students are involved in a campus fellowship during those years in college. And, you know, there's so many on campus to choose from. So I'm doing a series on campus ministry. So students and their parents and others can have a uh, apples to apples comparison. And uh, this week we're talking about the Navigators. And I'm delighted to have you join me as representative of the Navigators with your background and experience. So could you say just a few words about your your history with the Navigators, your relationship with their campus ministry in particular, and your current role? Absolutely. Well, I've been on staff with the Navigators for a little over 21 years. I met the Navigators two hours after I moved into my dorm at Illinois State (laughs) University in 1995. Yeah, Uh, a Navigator staff guy and a a student leader knocked on my door. I was a six-month-old believer. And from wow. a completely godless home outside of Chicago. And uh, the, the two guys knocked on my door and said, hey, we would like to lead a Bible study on this floor. Do you want to be in it? <laughs> and I thought, well, I think that's what Christians do. I think they study the Bible. I guess so. And <laughs> they're like, great. We're, you know, we're with a ministry called the Navigators. And I said, I don't know what that is. If you haven't noticed, we're in the middle of a cornfield. So we don't really need Navigators here. But <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. So the, the whole thing was sort of lost on me at first. And uh, so I met the NABs two hours after I moved into my dorm. And Mm -hmm. uh, then two hours after those guys left my dorm, a guy came to my floor, came to my door and he said, Hey, can you help me move my couch? And we lived on the 23rd floor of a 30 story dorm. So that was a two to three hour commitment to carry that couch up 23 Mm -hmm. flights of stairs. No elevators, huh? Yeah, well, we had elevators, but on move-in day, they didn't allow them to work because the, oh, no. the crowds were just so big. <laughs> sure, okay. And we, we were pausing on one of the landings and, uh, you know, to catch our breath. And he said, hey, I noticed uh, you had a Bible on your desk when I came in to get you. Are you a Christian? I said, yeah. And he said, well, I'm part of this great campus ministry called Navigators. You should come check it out with me. And so within a couple hours, I was pretty pretty hooked without knowing anything about the Nav or anything about what they did. (laughs) So that was the fall of 1995. And uh, my wife and I joined staff officially in 2001, though we volunteered for a couple of years before we came on staff while I was paying off school loans. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we came on staff in January 2001. 
and uh, we've been all over the country since then. Our first assignment was Colorado State University, mm-hmm. then the University of Florida. And mm-hmm. I, while in Florida, I became the regional leader overseeing the campuses uh, of NAV ministry in the state of Florida. Okay. And then we moved to Kansas City, and I was the regional leader there for Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and Iowa for our mm-hmm. campus ministries there. And uh, have been in Colorado, Colorado Springs, where the NAV's U.S. and international headquarters are. And so we've been here since 2016. And uh, so currently I serve as the U.S. Collegiate Director and been doing that role for just a little over two years now. Great. Well, you're just the guy then I want to talk to. (laughs) So (laughs) take me back and tell me how the Navigators first got started. Yeah, so first got started in the 1930s, uh, a truck driver at a lumberyard guy named Dawson Trotman had come to Christ when he was in his early 20s, and he was driving a truck at a lumberyard and uh, all of a sudden started hanging out with guys in the Los Angeles and Long Beach area that were Navy sailors and started leading these guys to Christ. And so the, some of the stories go that one of the guys came home on shore leave and he had led a guy on the ship to Christ himself. And he brought this guy to Dawson Trotman and said, Dawson, you got to teach everything that you taught me. You got to teach it to this guy. And Dawson said, no, you have to teach him everything that I've taught you. And that really is the heartbeat of Navigator Ministry. So we started in the Navy in nineteen in the 1930s and then uh, really ramped up uh, and incorporated as an organization in 1943. Mm-hmm. And re- all of that activity was around Navy ships. That's why we're called Navigators. That's one of the most common questions that I get about our name. <laughs> and so we started in the Navy. Uh, it particularly in World War II was really when it exploded. And then after World War II, all of these guys who were retired, you know, Navy sailors and retired military coming home from wherever they were in the theaters of battle, then they're, hey, we're familiar with Chinese culture. We're familiar with Japanese culture. We're familiar with all these places. We should go back. So then in 1949, the Navigators began sending international missionaries from the U.S. to it started in Asia first and then in all over uh, parts of the world. So now we're in 115 countries. Most of those are led by nationals in those countries, not U.S. missionaries. Okay. Now, some of the other ministries that I have interviewed have... Uh various divisions as well, but uh, their campus ministry tends to be the largest. Is that true of the Navigators as well? That is true. Yes, our campus ministry is the largest part, uh, and then uh, our military ministry would be kind of the second largest part. But in the okay. we have seven minis- uh, mission targets. One of those would be our world mission mm. area, and then we have six in the U.S. that are more domestic-oriented. All right. And about how many campuses do you serve on? about 160 right now. And do they tend to be the larger universities or more commuter schools or anything in between? Yeah, anything in between. We're uh, generally, it tends to be the larger schools. Uh, We're also looking at how do we expand, particularly in the cities, where you may have what we would call kind of a flagship ministry, where and then you've got little the smaller campuses around the large campus would, you know, a staff might go over there one or two days a week to lead a Bible study mm. or something like that to meet with some men or women. And so it it kind of acts 
if you could use like a military analogy, it's like sort of like a naval fleet with an aircraft carrier and then a bunch of destroyers around it that are supported by the big carrier. And and that's how we think about ministries in the urban areas where you're probably not going to send full-time staff to every single campus in Mm -hmm. Chicago. It's just too many people, too many campuses going on. Sure. So what is the, the ministry's purpose or mission on campus? Yeah. So all navigators, no matter where you go, no matter where in the world, we really, we have, we, we think of it like this, to know Christ, to make him known and to help others do the same. And that's been our motto for a long, long time, generations and generations. And that that's, you know, really, again, birthed out of that thought with Dawson Trotman. No, I'm not going to teach that guy everything. You need to teach him everything. So know Christ, make him known and help others do the same. And so, so it does begin with knowing Christ. That's the most important thing. And we are trusting that that abiding life-giving vital relationship with Christ is overflowing onto and into the lives of other people. And we're helping our students to understand that and to live missionally wherever they are in that helping others to do the same and knowing Christ, making him known. So evangelism and discipleship are really kind of the, how we do our motto. Well, talk a little more about that. What type of activities do the navigators offer during the year to facilitate the attainment of the mission? Yeah, that's a a great question. So we we tend to think of a campus ministry in three different prongs or phases. So you've got your large group ministry, which, you know, would be like kind of like a a service where you've got some music, you might have uh, a testimony or a, a Bible teaching, things like that, more large group oriented. And generally in navigator ministry, those large groups are more focused on equipping the believer much more than being like an evangelistic outreach. Okay. Certainly non-believers feel welcome and at home there, but it really is geared toward equipping kind of the let's help these friends know Christ and make him known and help others do the same. It's more equipping on that side. So that would be phase one. And then like the second phase would be our small group Bible studies, where those are generally kind of people group oriented. So we might have a dorm floor, you might have a fraternity or a sorority or a sports team or a club or something like that, that's reading the Bible together. But I mean, Bible study is part of the navigator heritage. It's Mm -hmm. we take uh, I don't want to say pride, (laughs) but we take Bible study seriously and we're digging into the word seriously and really trying to figure out what it means and what it meant to the original audience. And then what does it mean for us today and how do we apply those principles in life? And so that community aspect of a small group Bible study is absolutely critical. And then the, the final phase, and for us, this is the most critical piece of the campus ministry, is the life-to-life or the one-on-one aspect of of ministry and walking with Jesus. So in sometimes it's called discipleship, sometimes it's called disciple making, but for us, the one-on-one life-to-life part of ministry, that is navigator bread and butter. So mm. most students 
are in a one-on-one relationship with somebody who's a little bit older than them in the faith. And hopefully the idea is that soon that they will be in a relationship with somebody that's younger in the faith than they are. So we, we, we tend to use this term called spiritual generations, and it's taken from 2 Timothy 2.2 when Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he's writing to Timothy, and he says, the things you've heard me say entrust to reliable people who are also qualified to teach others. So in that one verse, you have four spiritual generations, mm-hmm. Paul, Timothy, reliable people, and then others. And so we're hoping that all of our students are caught up into spiritual generations, and then they're also advancing spiritual generations. And that's how we see the, the, the gospel spread and the vision of disciple making and multiplication continuing to go. So those three aspects are key. And again, for us, the one-on-one life to life, that's the bread and butter of the whole thing. So we tell a student, hey, if you've, you know, I was at the University of Florida for a number of years, highly academically oriented, you know, people would say, hey, I don't have all that time to give to a Bible study, to a relationship, to a nav night and all this kind of stuff. And I, I would always tell them, listen, the least important thing is the, the large group nav night. The most important thing is the one-on-one relationship. So whatever you can do in between, do it. But the one-on-one is the most important part of the way that we think about knowing Christ and making him known. Hmm. That's really helpful. Uh, You might have answered this next question already implicitly, but let me put a point on it. What would you say then are the navigator's distinctives? Uh, I think a lot of the ministries would say they have Bible studies and do evangelism and so on and so forth. Where do you see the navigator's specific call or niche in that yeah. broader context? That's a great, that's a great question. And, and there are campuses where you've got dozens of campus ministries operating in one place. And the way that I, some of the way that I kind of think about it is it's all different flavors of ice cream. And, you know, like all to me, all ice cream is good. It just sort of depends on which one I feel like that day and which one is sort of my favorite. Okay. They're all good. They're all ice cream. And so we partner very closely together in most areas with crew and InterVarsity, RUF, Chi Alpha. There's, and there's many, many more that we tend to align with kind of theologically and even methodology sometimes. But I would say that the navigators kind of, we have basically five distinctives. And again, some of these might overlap between others, but one, we are Bible-based. We don't do anything without consulting the scriptures. One of our catchphrases in our organization is that we lead from the scriptures and to the scriptures. Mm. So we're not just trying to come up with answers to questions based on how we feel that day. We're not thinking about answers to questions on even the best theologian that may have written a book on that thing. We are trying to lead from and to the scriptures in every part of a student's life. Second would be that we're highly, highly relational. So uh, that that's where that life to life. So it's not just meeting in a coffee shop. It's not just try, you know, tr- checking in on life. There really is a component in those relationships where we are trying to help them know Christ themselves, but then we're also trying to help them make Christ known. And it's implicit that we're helping them do the same. <laughs> and that that's the whole idea is that I would come alongside of a student to say, all right, where are your spheres of influence? 
where, you know, where do you live? Where do you work? Where do you study? Where do you play? And those are the places that we want you to be living as a missionary. So it's your, maybe it's your sorority, maybe it's your club, maybe it's your dorm floor, maybe it's your apartment complex, but the whole thing rests on relationship and relationships continuing to grow and invest. The third thing that I would say that really that marks us is we're very, very intentional and everything is intentional toward bringing God the glory that he deserves. Revelation 7, 9, every tongue, every tribe, every nation and every language will be standing before the throne. We want to be a part of it. (laughs) And so like every that's that's how like if that's the target. Everything in Navigator Ministry is intentionally aimed at that target to to make sure that we are seeing the campuses, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and every language. Then the fourth thing would be transformational, that we really, really expect when a student goes home for Christmas break after fall semester, that they look different than when they showed up in August, that Mm -hmm. Jesus really has done something unique and awesome transformational in their lives. And we believe like as a disciple maker, it's not all resting on me, but Jesus is working through me. It's all about him. And maybe some of my experiences can help a student along the way. So really all of that kind of leads to, or really maybe marks the fifth one. And that is just intentional disciple making that that is, we, we really want to make disciples. And we believe that the great commission kind of lays out that process for us, you know, baptize them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. So we take that very seriously, that our our role in somebody's life in making them a disciple includes evangelism, and it includes what we would call kind of basic follow-up, teaching them to obey all the commands. It's pretty hard for a pastor to be speaking to thousands or hundreds to actually help people learn how to obey the commands. You need somebody in your life that's helping you and that can see the sin areas in your life and that can see where you're missing the mark and they can help you to obey all of Jesus's commands because they're in your life and they know where you're not obeying so they can help you to obey. So I would say, I would say, Stan, those are the five kind of real strong marks of navigator ministry. Okay. Um, I'm curious how that plays out campus to campus or region to region. Let me paint a continuum. Uh, Some ministries for good reasons say that we're going to have a pretty standardized approach. And so our campus ministry on any campus in the country is going to look pretty much the same as anywhere else for quality control purposes, let's say. And others say, no, really the value is indigenous focus. And so it's going to look very, very different campus to campus with some core values shared. Where would navigators fall in that continuum? Yeah, probably right in the middle. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. So we, uh, we have, we do have, um, we have a, a calling statement that we all subscribe to. Again, it's, it's a little bit longer than our motto. And it says to advance the gospel of Jesus and his kingdom into the nations through spiritual generations of laborers living and discipling among the lost. So it's a little bit longer than no Christ make him known. Um, but all navigators all across the world, that is the calling that we subscribe to. But how that happens in a particular place is very, very different. 
So I would say that the again the life on life one to one hands down everybody's doing that. Okay. Small group Bible studies where we're trying to figure out community and really help people get in one another's lives that's happening everywhere. Large groups may or may not be happening everywhere. It just depends on the context. I would say more often than not they are happening everywhere, but they're not. It's not like a standard thing. We tell people all the time, like, hey, if it's not helping you to make disciples, don't do it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, and, and so we really want our everything to be oriented around making disciples. And so if you're, if you're, you know, in a ministry such as Kansas State, where it's a, it's a traditional college town, students are coming from a kind of a, a local geographic or even a spread geographic area. Mm-hmm. And they're not really going home on the weekends and they're just sort of there and it's their environment. That's a very different place than like the University of Illinois, Chicago, where it's a, it's a commuter campus where right. students are coming and going. They're probably living at home. They're working part or full time on top of taking classes. So the ministry approach in those two types of places is very, very different. But at the, at the, at the foundational level, everything is the same. Like we believe in life to life ministry, small group Bible studies, and however you can see the, the gospel advancing on the campus, we want you to do it with some of the navigator distinctives, which we really hope are not methods. We really don't want the, the thing that the navigators are known for is the, how we do things. Mm-hmm. It is really the values that underlie the how. And so the, the values stay the same, the how changes depending on the context. Oh, that's a really good distinction. Appreciate that. That's sure. helpful. So does the navigator subscribe to a particular statement of faith in all of this? We do. Yeah. We've had a statement of faith in place since the 1940s. Uh, hmm. And it, it's been pretty, pretty similar since then. There's been a few additions here and there as culture around us begins to adapt and really, you know, in some ways go off the rails. And in other ways, it's just like, we, we have to maintain, well, what do we believe? So we have a statement of faith. It's on our public website, uh, www.navigators.org. It's in there under the about us, uh, you know, tab. And uh, yeah. And from what I understand, it's been largely similar since the 1940s and uh, it's been in place for quite a long time. So all, all of our staff, all of our paid staff, we we read that and we reaffirm our belief in it every year. And so we sign off on that every year just to just say, hey, you know what? Like, yeah, I have I have prayed about this. I have thought about this. This is not just that thing that I signed 20 years ago. And it's it's but it's so it's something every year that we reaffirm. Okay. So you mentioned staff affirm that. <clears throat> I, I assume board members do as well. Yes. yes. Um volunteers with the ministry probably do as well. Yeah, so it, with volunteers, uh, we expect them to agree, but we don't ask them to sign it uh, because if, as part of the paid staff of the organization, they we all sign it as paid staff of the organization, but volunteers all agree to it in principle, but they're not like signing it. Got it. So that would be for that would be for our volunteer leaders, so student leaders, and then like I mentioned, we're, we operate in a lot of contexts that aren't campuses, so our volunteers there would they would know what our statement of faith is and that they would agree to it and say, okay, yeah, uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to teach anything against it. I'm not going to say anything against it. And I'm going to, I'm going to lift it up. 
Now, with like a your average student that's walking through the door of a mm-hmm. whether they hey, I'd like to read the Bible with you guys, or I want to come to a nav night or, you know, whatever thing they are not expected to do anything like that. They, anybody is welcome to come into our stuff. Anybody is welcome to join and and read, read the Bible with us. Anybody can be in relationship with us. We want everybody in relationship with us so that we can help everybody as many as possible come into relationship with the Lord. And then once they're in relationship with the Lord, the expectation would be that all areas of their life would be submitted and surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, but that's after a relationship with Christ is, is established. Then, you know, Lordship, we want to see Lordship grow in everybody's life. So your average student walking through the door probably doesn't know what everything we believe on that statement of faith. And we don't ask them to unless they're asking to, to lead others in, in the movement. Okay. Good. Uh, let me give you another continuum and place navigators somewhere sure. here. So uh, we can draw a continuum from uh, some ministries that have a very minimalistic statement of faith, perhaps affirming the Apostles' Creed, and others on the other end of the continuum, usually denominationally oriented ministries like Reform University Fellowship, RUF, which you mentioned, which would have a very, uh, a rather detailed statement of faith. We're on that continuum where would navigators be? Yeah, again, we're kind of in the middle on okay. that. Um, and so I would say the way, the way that I think about like denominational ministry and then the quote unquote para local church kind of ministry is that as a para local church ministry, multi-denominational, we, we would have a wide spectrum of personal and individual theological beliefs and our mission is very narrow. So it, our mission is narrow. It's to know Christ, make him known, help others do the same. And a lot of other stuff, it, we don't really worry about that. We don't have to worry about nursery. We don't have to worry about caring for the infirm. We, mm-hmm. we just don't have to worry mm-hmm. about that stuff on the campus. Where a denominational ministry might have a more narrow statement of faith, but a much broader area of ministry where there, you know, a denomination is ministering to people cradle to grave. I don't have to think about that. I'm thinking about 19 year olds. And so it's, it's, it, it, that's the way that I kind of explain it. We're sort of in the middle on that, where the, the, the statement of faith is pretty broad as we have mo- people from multiple denominations involved in the navigators. Um, but it is very clear. <laughs> it's not like ambiguous and wishy-washy. It's very clear, but it is, it is relatively, again, so I would say it's more in the middle of like, kind of anybody can do it as long as they like discipleship versus, Hey, you have to subscribe to, like you mentioned, a fairly narrow statement of faith. There's a, I would say we're right in the middle on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sort of like, uh, I think I've said it in other contexts, uh, it's a big tent, but it's still a tent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a boundary, but it's a pretty big boundary, <laughs> yeah. right? That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, let me give you one more continuum sure. and that would be, from uh, maybe one extreme, the more progressive end of the evangelical spectrum and the other, the more conservative end. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways that can be cashed out. We can go into details if you want. But in general, where would you put navigators on that on that spectrum? 
Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of ways to kind of break mm-hmm. that cookie apart. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'd like to say, let's break it into two. We could okay. break it into probably 40, right? but I would say two. One would be kind of doctrinally, theologically, and the okay. other one would be like political and social. Mm. Uh, so I would say doctrinally, theologically, we're very conservative. We believe in the inerrancy of scripture. We believe in evangelism. We believe that that God is God, and without Jesus, there is eternal separation from God. So in that way, we are very conservative theologically, doctrinally. Politically, because we have all kinds of different views, Mm-hmm. You can't nail down the organization on one view. We, d- right. we don't say things about uh, like cultural issues very much as an organization. We don't take stands on political issues. We don't take stands on those things as an organization. So in that way, there would probably be a, it's a much wider tent on that kind of socio-political kind of realm. Mm-hmm. But in the doctrinal theological, it's very conservative. Got it. So let me shift gears a little bit. Who are some heroes of the faith that navigators might hold up to students? You know, books yeah. to be read, people speaking at conferences, you know, in, in, in other ways, really, this is somebody who is a hero. Yeah. Well, I, I previously mentioned Dawson Trotman. Mm-hmm, and sure. So, you know, Dawson passed away when he was 50 years old in 1953. And uh, so Dawson passed away, but he there was two or three books written about him. And he had written many things. I mean, the bridge illustration, the wheel illustration. Again, all of those can be found on the website. But Dawson was the one who came up with those things. He was mm-hmm. the innovator. He was the one with this vision of spiritual generations. And he was the one who claimed promises like you know he would read genesis 12 god's promise to abraham that his descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore and dawson would be like lord will you do that for me and so this so dawson is one that is held up and and you know we just kind of think like we have his old bibles and we have his old journals and we you know it's fun to look through some of that stuff another one would be a guy named jim downing he just passed away a couple of years ago he was a 104 year old veteran of world war ii and it, it and he was navigator number six and so uh <laughs> he was a survivor at pearl harbor so he had written a couple of books about his experience in Pearl Harbor, his experience around the navigators. So he was on staff with the navigators after he left World War II and still spoke on campuses until he was 103 years old. And I mean, it was some of the highlights of our lives. And, you know, after he turned like 90, all the, all of us campus guys were like, uh, we want him to come, but if something happens, we don't want to be the guy that like Jim, something happened to Jim on our watch, you know, (laughs) we got, we started to get nervous, but he just kept on going and students loved him. They loved the way that he would articulate the scriptures in the way Mm. that he would And he would say, well, I don't know if I have any wisdom, but I got a lot of experience. So let me just share that with you. And so Jim Downing would be one. Another one would be Jerry Bridges, who who also passed away in the last few years. And Jerry authored so many books that really frame navigator theology and doctrine, you know, the pursuit of holiness, the Mm -hmm. discipline of grace, the gospel for real life. 
book on top of book on top of book of what does it mean to be a disciple of God and how do you help other people do that? So those would be some, some of those were very influential in my early formation. Yeah, me too. I mean, pursuit of holiness. I have read with every single guy I have ever discipled. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those, it's a staple for me. Uh, And so, and there are, there are so many others, Gene Fleming and Ruth Knutson and so many people, whether they were overseas missionaries and many, like I said, in the early days, many of these uh, couples were involved in international missions. And then they came home to do campus ministry, or they came home to do community ministry among uh, alumni. But some of those people would be some of our, you know, people that we say, Hey, Mm -hmm. anytime you can get your hands on a, on a video or a tape or, or whatever from one of them or one of their books, give it a listen. And, and that's, those are some of the people that we hold high. Great. Great. Thanks. Well, Ben, some of the guests I've had on have offered a threefold taxonomy of of what Christian students need in order to flourish in their faith during the college years. Uh, They've suggested one spiritual growth, developing intimacy with God, to intellectual development, uh, learning to love God more with their minds, and three, ministry activism or missional engagement, being involved in God's redemptive mission. So would the navigators agree to that taxonomy, offer additional ones, change that, nuance that in certain ways? Yeah, I would 100% agree with those things. Absolutely. I would probably add a couple of more to to okay. that in the way that we think. Navigators are very, very practical people. <laughs> we we are like the hole diggers in the Christian community. We don't want, it's just, hey, tell us to dig a 10-foot hole. We'll go dig a 10-foot hole. We're not going to worry about what the shovel's made out of. We're not going to do all kinds of thinking about that stuff. We're very practical people. And so, so we rest on the work of the academics. We rest on the work of some of those people so that we can just go, let's just go do the job. So we feel like, all right, we're going to go make disciples. That's what we do. And uh, so I would say in addition, or maybe to nuance it a little bit, the, the, you may be familiar with the wheel illustration Mm -hmm. and, you know, so at the center, the hub of that wheel is Christ at the center. And again, we believe that Christ is the absolute center of our life, that he is the Lord. He dictates everything that we do. And so that's the hub of the wheel. And then the rim of the wheel is obedience. So that's something that I think is really key. Uh, like we we read the Bible, we believe what it says, and we do what it says. And so it's fairly simple in, in its approach. It's like, all right, the Bible says to do that, we're going to do it. So we help students to obey the scriptures and to obey the voice of the Lord. So that rim of the wheel, and then there's four spokes, and those would be the word and prayer. And those are pr- uh, predominantly how we relate to God. So kind of the vertical spokes in the wheel, the word and prayer, and then the horizontal spoke would be fellowship and evangelism. So one of the things in that threefold taxonomy that I that that I would love to develop more is that community fellowship aspect where to us that is absolutely key in the spiritual formation of all people, but especially students when they're 18 years old, they're coming to us, you know, whether they're from a Christian background or not, 
they're they're owning their faith for their for the first time in their lives and they really like well how do i do this and what does this look like so community is an absolute foundational piece for us alongside of the word like i mentioned the other day or the the other minute just thinking like well we lead to and from the scriptures so we we want our students walking away with a firm grounding in the scripture again which i see in the in the threefold taxonomy and again, this area of evangelism, that, that fourth spoke on the wheel, thinking in terms of every student of ours is a missionary. It, it, he or she is a missionary everywhere that they're placed, again, where they're working, where they're living, where they're playing, where they're studying. They're a missionary there. So we, talk, we think missional engagement for us is like, oh, we just we long to see every student involved in the Great Commission. Good. Well, I'm going to drill down into each of those a little bit here in a minute, but sure. I want to first ask, where would you say the navigators is strongest out of all those areas? And I know uh, the desire is, is to be strong in each of them. And yeah. uh, I'm sure different campuses as it looks a little different one to the other, but in general, where do you think navigators sweet spot really is historically been or. Yeah. Our sweet spots, the word, okay. our sweet spots, the word, the, the, a long standing tradition in the navs and the practice of scripture memory. That's actually how Dawson Trotman came to Christ in 1920 was he, what he was around. He met a cute girl, the girl was a Sunday school leader at her church, and he wanted to impress her. And so, so he went to the church, and they, uh, she was promising candy to all the little kids in the Sunday school group that were memorizing scripture. So he went home and memorized verses on top of verses on top of verses, and those were what led him to Christ. So scripture memory is a deeply entrenched practice and value for navigators. And so the word is something that we take very seriously again. So Bible study is very important to us. So that's the thing. And that's in, in, in many cases, that's what's setting us apart is the inductive Bible studies that we're doing the, you know, we're digging deep into the scriptures. What really does this say? And how are the, how is the author communicating and what does the Holy spirit want to do with, with the word in us right this very moment? So I would say generally that's where we're the strongest. All right. And I don't want to force the taxonomy too far, but in general, then that's more the spiritual growth component. Yes. 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 Okay. How about the weakness? Where do you think navigators historically and currently uh, really is weakest? Yeah, that's a great one. I think, I think particularly uh, one of the, as we look at this and I look at this thinking, okay, the intellectual development is something, like I said, we're practitioners. <laughs> we just tell us what to do. We'll go do it. And uh, so I think, and particularly now, as the biblical illiteracy of your average student is increasing, then we're having to relook at some of the way that we do things. Because as I mentioned earlier, I was raised in a non-Christian home, but I was born in the 70s, raised in the 80s. And so I, I had heard of Noah and the Ark, and I had heard of King David, and you know, I, I've heard of those things. Now we're dealing with an audience that has never even heard of those things before. Mm-hmm. And even if they came from a Christian background, biblical illiteracy is continuing to increase. So I would say that we've got to do a greater job in shaping the intellectual kind of angle of a, of a person's formation, because we, we want them to know when false doctrine comes in, we want them to know, well, that's false, and they need to be able to identify that. And that's done through that intellectual development that I think we've been able, and not just us in the NAS, but 
the whole American church. We've been able to ride on, well, we're a Judeo-Christian value country. We're a Christian nation, so to speak, all those things. And now we're moving farther and farther away from that into a post-church kind of Mm -hmm. mentality. So we're having, I think we're having to revisit that intellectual development and not rest on, hey, well, you probably know some of the Bible. Let me just help you figure some more of it out. That's just not true anymore. We're mm-hmm. starting from ground zero. Hey, here's Adam and Eve. <laughs> here's Noah and the ark. You know, those kind of things that a lot of our students have never been exposed to. Mm-hmm. We will return to the show in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Do you have a child, relative, or friend preparing for or attending college? What they need most are Christian professors who can help them learn to love God with their hearts and minds during these impressionable years. Global Scholars equips Christian professors to be there for them and walk with them during their years in college. Please visit www.global-scholars.org to learn how you can help equip Christian professors to show Christ's love on a campus near you and around the world. Please also check out the other podcast Stan and Dr. J.P. Moreland do together, Thinking Christianly. Whereas this College Faith podcast focuses more on the practical questions of thriving during the college years, the Thinking Christianly podcast is all about the ideas that shape the university, students, our broader culture, and the world. Visit thinkingchristianly.org or download episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And now back to College Faith. So uh, so let's drill down a little bit into that. Uh, let's start with the intellectual development. How, how can students compensate for this weakness? And, and how is the ministry overall working to compensate and to grow their ability to serve students in this way? Yeah, so I th- I, that's a great question. So we're really trying to think through how do we, what are some of the books that will aid us in this, mm-hmm. you know, apologetics types books. Uh, base, again, we're going back to basic Bible study. And so we're, we're not trying to get all fancy and flary with the Bible studies that we're doing. We're going back to ground zero. What does the Bible say about creation? What does the Bible say about sin? What does the Bible say about men and women? What does the Bible say about just very basic kind of things to help build what I would call like an, an, a biblical operating system or a biblical hard drive mm. so that when they encounter things out in culture, they at least know what the Bible says. And they've, I mean, everybody has to make a decision on what they believe, but they're not making a decision just based on false information. So we're, we're focusing much more on some of those foundational pieces of who God is and who I am and what that means for my everyday life. And again, that could vary depending on where we are in the country, the type of campus that we're on. You know, some of our campuses are just more adept at reaching secular lost people. So their starting Mm -hmm. point is very different than a Christian background student, Mm -hmm. you know, from, you know, church background, you know, in in a particular part of the country. So there's not a set curriculum. It is much more. All right. What are the what are sort of the basics of the Christian life? And for us, again, we start with the wheel. And so a freshman might do a Bible study on and break those six topics 
into like, well, that would be a six week or maybe even longer Bible study. And let's do a Bible study on the word. Let's do a Bible study on prayer. Let's do, okay. you know, and that th- that would be how we begin to lay the foundation so that we can continue to expand on that more with a more missional worldview mm. as people, you know, as they mature in their relationship and as they uh, mature in their, re- uh, their intimacy with God and with others. And, you know, we, we also utilize what we call summer training programs, which are generally three to eight weeks in length in the summertime, and they're all over the country. And so those are specifically geared at building, again, these lordship kind of ideals and missional worldview into the life of a student. And then we also have summer mission trips, uh, you know, throughout the throughout the summer to all parts of the world, so that people can see different worldviews, people can experience, hey, well, what does ministry in a primarily Buddhist context look like? Sure. What does ministry look like in a primarily post-church context? context, et cetera, et cetera. So um, there's all, we, we were trying, you know, trying to not leave any quiver in the arrow unshot as we think about the formation of a student. Good. How does the navigator ministry help students develop not only the skills to grow spiritually in the campus environment, where arguably it's quite easy, you're surrounded by this group of other peers, same life stage, same issues, but how does the navigator's help students to develop a lifelong habit of walking with Christ. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I would say that there's probably two main parts to that. First is, I mentioned earlier that we don't want to just be like the people who are good at methods, that there are actually principles underneath all the methods that we do. And so we're trying to help our students say, okay, here, here is a principle and the principle might meet, let's just say the principle is an intimate, intimate relationship with God. And in college, you have, you can go to a coffee shop at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, and you can go and you can have a nice three hour quiet time if you want to. (laughs) And you can do Bible study for hours on end. And then you go and you graduate and you get a real job. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm working 60 or however many hours a week. And I don't get to determine when I'm at work and when I'm not. My boss tells me I got like eight minutes on the bus or the train or whatever. (laughs) That's when I'm reading my Bible. So a student could very easily say, well, quiet times don't work because I don't have three hours on Tuesday. No, that's not the principle. That's the, that's the method. The principle is developing an intimate relationship with God. So what can that intimacy look like when you're working full time and when you're, you know, living life and raising kids and doing all this crazy stuff. And so we're really trying hard on the campus level to help them think through the principles versus the methods. Mm. Then the second part of that would be, we are bringing people into our campus ministries who are actually doing this Hmm. and who are, who are regular people. They're not paid navigator staff. You know, for me, it's like, well, I'm available at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday morning to go meet with a guy. Other people aren't, that's not like typical. (laughs) And so how does the guy who, you know, manages an engineering firm, how does he walk with Jesus? How does he live out principles of evangelism and fellowship with God and with people? And so we're bringing those people in and oftentimes they're alumni from our ministries that are, you know, that, that are still connected relationally to our ministries. I remember being at the University of Florida, we graduated a number of engineers that went to go work for large engineering firms in Orlando or Tampa. And we would say, hey, come, come back this fall. And we want you to be the one who speaks at the NAV night to share about what does, what 
does walking with Jesus look like as an entry-level engineer? Or we would say to the student who went on to law school or pharmacy school or you know whatever grad school they were going to, we'd say, hey, come back and talk to the undergrads about what it looks like to follow Jesus as a grad student, because so many of our students are going on to grad school. And so, so we're, we're really trying to provide principle. And then we're really trying to provide examples in the real life, because as much as I would want it to be, my example is not as translatable to them because this is my job. Mm -hmm. I get, I get paid to be available at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. Right. So, but you know, engineer doesn't. Mm -hmm. Good. So uh, some might say that a method is a spiritual discipline. What would the navigator's understanding and approach be to that sense of spiritual formation through the practice of the disciplines? And what disciplines, if those are focused on, might be emphasized? Yeah, we love the disciplines. <laughs> it's uh, These are, uh, this again, it's like our struggle is to not go too much on the method. <laughs> Okay. And that, that's just kind of our bent because we are how people. Mm. Um, so it, the, the disciplines are something that we love. So again, uh, scripture memory, the, the discipline of a quiet time, the discipline of prayer and developing kind of some prayer lists or prayer topics, prayer journals, those kind of things, very, very important to us. And so once we've, once we've really worked with a student to get like kind of the one-on-one level spiritual disciplines that we believe like, and Jim Downing, the, the old guy that I mentioned before, who was 104, he would say, I don't like calling them spiritual disciplines. I call them resources for fulfillment because no one wants dis discipline. Everyone wants to be fulfilled. <laughs> and so <laughs> he would, he would say that. And he, but he would say like, yes. So you have to be intentional about your quiet time. You have to be intentional about scripture memory. You have to be intentional about fasting. You've got to be intentional about the disciplines more of engagement engagement and the disciplines of withdrawal, solitude and silence and those things. So we're really trying to help our students with a with a well-rounded approach to the disciplines, not because the disciplines are the end. The disciplines are the means to the end. The end is intimacy and fellowship with Jesus and his glorification. The disciplines just merely help us do that. I think of the disciplines more like a garden hose where you know, the water spigot on your house is generally not where you want the water to be. You need the water to be somewhere else. <laughs> you need it to be out in the yard, in the flower bed or the garden or whatever. So you need a hose to get it there. And that's how I think about the disciplines is like, well, I'm here and Jesus is over here. How do I get that? How do I get over there? Spiritual disciplines get me over there. They're just the means to the end of glorification of Christ. Good. That's really helpful. Really helpful. So let me, in this context, let you respond to an objection <laughs> uh, because the navigators, I think, have done a great job of emphasizing the disciplines and thinking about how one is formed spiritually. But some have argued that that's led to rejection of some of the things God uh, might actually want us to engage in, like dating. So navigators get known some places as never daters. Now, what's up with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some old jokes about that. I and know. <laughs> some of them have to do with other organizations <laughs> and you know, whatever. But 
by the time I came around the navigators in the mid nine in the mid nineties, uh, that was largely gone. Okay. The legends were there, but uh-huh. the, the practice of that was gone. And I, I myself have been quoted as I am not anti dating, but I am anti stupid dating. Ah. And so I, what we see so often is just foolishness and immaturity in the way that people approach relationships. Hmm. So, Yes, we tend to be hardcore. Yes, we tend to be intense about stuff that that's like that stuff is still very true. But, uh, you know, some of the more legalistic kind of things in our history, and a lot of that really came from our military background, because we're steeped in military culture, it, you know, order and uh, chaos was bad, order was good. Okay. And, And, you know, I'm not saying that God advocates for chaos, but he does advocate for breaking down some boxes here and there. And okay. so we do, we have broken free from a lot of that. I dated my wife <laughs> as a, as a blessed navigator. And my wife was the son, <laughs> uh, the daughter of a navigator and we were blessed in our d- dating relationship. So a lot of that has died away, but I, we are still intense. We are still hardcore. <laughs> and, and some of that, we, we, that's again, part of our distinctive in the way that we, we just take it seriously. Now, we're having fun all the time. That's one of my highest values is having fun, laughing. And uh, so we're really trying to put that into the DNA of the life of a believer is like, this is not a life of drudgery. This is a life of delight. Like Jim would say, this is a resource for fulfillment. We, We want you to flourish and be happy and all of those things within the way that God has prescribed through the New Testament. Got it. Good. Really helpful. Thanks. So let's talk a little bit about ministry activism then, or missional engagement, as some have said. How does navigators understand and teach the relationship between, as some have said, Christ and culture? In other words, how does navigators understand the way to actually be in the world, but not of the world, specifically the university culture at this stage of a student's life? Well, that might be best articulated through an example from when I was a student. And I remember, so Brian was the the young staff guy that knocked on my door two hours after I moved into the dorm. And so Brian very quickly realized, hey, this guy comes from a non-believing background. He is pretty rough around the edges. I was still sleeping with my girlfriend, beating guys up, swearing like crazy. And, but I had placed faith in Christ six months prior. So Brian quickly took me under his wing. And I remember distinctly two very clear man-to-mans, one-on-ones that we had. One, he, he came to my dorm room and picked me up. And he just said, hey, you don't, you know, don't need your Bible today. And I was like, okay. And so we just started walking and we walked around the campus. And he would say, who, who do you know that lives in that dorm? And we would, you know, we would name the people and we would start praying for each person by name. And then we would walk by one of the academic, I was a history major. So we'd walk by the history building or whatever. And he would say, who, you know, who are the people that you're in class with that, you know, their names. And we would pray for them name by name. We'd walk by the administration building and pray for the president of the university. I learned to pray, not in a workshop, not by reading a book. I learned how to pray by watching Brian and listening Brian pray while I was walking with him. Same was true with scripture memory. I I learned how to memorize scripture by watching him, who is a scripture memory master. Then another distinct memory, one time he picked me up and 
he, he said, hey, let's, let's go. You don't need your Bible today. And most of the time I didn't need my Bible. So he had to say if I didn't need to bring it. And he would, he picked me up and he just randomly walked up to this student sitting on the quad talking to them about Jesus. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? You can't do that. That's <laughs> This is the weirdest thing in the world. And he started, and he, the guy was wearing a uh, Chicago Cubs t-shirt. And he just started, Brian talked about the Cubs and magically transitioned the conversation from the Cubs to spiritual things and ended up sharing the gospel with this guy. So then he, so, so Brian said to me, Hey, uh, next week I'm going to pick you up and I want you to start the conversation with anybody and I'll transition it to spiritual things, but you start the conversation. So what the first thing I did, I'm looking for a guy with a Cubs t-shirt so that I could say the same exact stuff that Brian (laughs) said the week before. And so that, so I did that, started the conversation. And then after we were done with that, Brian said, okay, now next week, you intro the conversation and you transition to the gospel, but I'll share the gospel. And it just went on like that until I was having conversations with people that I didn't know about Jesus. So then Brian said, Hey, the people on your floor, do they know Jesus? And I was like, no, man, I'm the only one who knows. He goes, what would you think if my wife made a bunch of brownies and I came in and brought the brownies to the to the, your dorm buddies. And I said, hey, you, you can have as many brownies as you want. All you have to do is ask me a spiritual question. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute, you're going to answer them, right? Not me. Like, I'm here I am seven months old in the Lord. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll do all that. I'll do everything. I, but, but they're your friends. So you invite them to this thing on Sunday night. And so I was like, okay. So we did that. And from that, the last question that Brian would ask would be like, hey, does anybody want to continue investigating what the Bible says about Jesus? And I'll keep bringing brownies. And I mean, so, you know, 10 guys would show up to this discussion every Sunday night. And so when we think about how we teach people, it is what we call the with him principle. You know, Jesus himself in Mark 3, 14, he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. And so that's what we do. We're, we, we, we're not, we love books and we want to read books, but when we think about how do I help a person engage with their lost friends and family, I'm going to go with them and I'm going to help them do that. How do I help them engage with Jesus? I'm going to go with them and I'm going to have a quiet time with them. And then they'll start to learn how to do it on their own. So a lot of what we do is, is that that's a lot of what's happening in those one-on-one relationships is with them type of stuff. And so that, that's how that probably the easiest way I have to answer your question on that. Okay, good. Well, let me uh, ask this then in the same vein, and I'm going to give you another continuum here. One ministry leader, and by this, I mean, founder of a large campus ministry has said uh, the university and broader culture is like a sinking ship. It is essentially going to uh, disintegrate and uh, and that's okay. Our job is not to help fix it, but to save people off of it before it sinks, to get them off in life rafts. So evangelism and uh, and discipleship, but in a in a limited focus of helping people grow spiritually and help others become Christians is what we should be all about on campus. The other extreme is a campus ministry I know of that would say, we serve the university. So whatever the university's agenda, programs, values, 
objectives are those are ours, uh, including say uh, a, a progressive sexual ethic that might be promoted, etc. Uh, there's a third group I know whose leader has said we care about people coming to faith in Christ, and we care about the university as an ecosystem. So what happens in the university is important to us, but we can't go as far as affirming all the things the university wants to affirm, more of a middle ground. Where might the navigators be in that continuum? The third one, without without question, we definitely care what's going on in the university ecosystem. We we see what's happening on the university campuses, uh, good, bad, and otherwise, okay. uh, but we don't see it as our job necessarily. That's not the, the, our job is the tip of the spear is not to transform the administration of a campus. The tip of the spear we believe is the campus will be transformed because of transformed individuals. And so we're not out there to try to change all the agendas and change all the protocols on a campus is like, well, let's change, let's change students' lives. And by changing students' lives, we transform and change the culture around us, which for us is the campus. But we also know that those students aren't going to be there for very long. They're there for four years, maybe five, six, depending on the victory lap situation. But they're they're going to they're going to leave. That's the whole point of a campus. And so we believe that transformation of culture and society happens on the campus because that's where the shapers and the influencers of culture start. They all start on campus. Who's leading the stock markets? Who's leading the Fortune 500 companies? Who's the social workers? Who are the teachers? Former college students. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if, we can, if, if we can invest and impact people on an individual level, we see that impacting culture beginning on the campus culture and then spreading from there on out. So I would say for sure the third one where I don't, I don't know necessarily that it's like a sinking ship and everything's terrible. The gospel is moving. Jesus is in hot pursuit of college students. So we're going to be too, you know, that's just kind of how I see things. Okay. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yep. Well, as we talk about uh, engaging issues beyond the proclamation of the gospel, one of the really hot issues today that students are facing and are wrestling with engaging is the issue of racial tensions. And one response has been critical race theory, for instance. Some ministries have really embraced that as a paradigm of here's as Christians how we should engage our peers and uh, even our professors. Others have said, no, that's not the right way to go. So I'm just asking the different campus ministries on this current issue. And in five years, it might be a different conversation. But this is the conversation that's going on on a lot of campuses right now. And uh, and and how, how does Navigators approach that and, and, and help students think about what's a proper biblical response to this very important issue that is dividing so many believers and campuses? Great question. And you're right. It's everywhere. Uh, You know, every campus is talking about this. It's, it's all over the place. And I'll tell you, we love it. We love it because it's a kingdom issue Mm. because we believe that revelation seven, nine really is the, is the reality of our future. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation and every language. And I love that because a lot of those were those four words, they overlap with one another in meaning. So to me, that means not one person on the face of this earth falls through the cracks. Mm. Jesus wants all of them. 
So if Jesus wants them all, we want them all. And so I, so I think about every ethnicity. I think about uh, special needs. I think about who, whoever kind of, I want all people to come to know Christ. And so, and we mentioned too, uh, earlier in the, in the podcast was part of our calling statement to advance the gospel of Jesus and his kingdom. So we're not just saying the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Yes, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. But the gospel brings with it far more than just salvation from sin. It brings with it a kingdom ethic. It brings with it a kingdom lifestyle. So we're far more engaged in helping students understand what does the kingdom have to say as kingdom citizens and the kingdom being open to all people by faith in Christ. What does that kingdom ethic dictate for us? And that is that we are about all people. So when we think about race and racial division and things like that, we are trying as best we can to bring a kingdom viewpoint into this, not a political viewpoint, not an academic viewpoint, not even kind of like a feelings viewpoint. You know, I mean, so much of our culture now is based on emotions and how I'm feeling and that can change. And we believe that the scriptures have been very, very clear from the very beginning that through Abraham, that was God's covenant with Abraham, through Abraham, all nations will be blessed. Nations meaning ethne, meaning people groups, so not just geopolitical nations. So we take that very, very seriously as we talk about race and we talk about what that means in the campus environment. So we, we like I said, we love the conversation. We mm. don't like all the time where the conversation goes or how the conversation gets started, but we love the conversation because it's a kingdom conversation the same way as other things that, that you know, are kind of the hot button issues from when you were in sure. school versus sure. when I was every, every generation has their hot button things. Mm -hmm. And this is one of them. And so we love it because we believe the gospel has answers to it. So let's talk about how that plays out. Yeah. So when we think about this or any other issue, we actually don't pay a whole lot of attention to what what the kind of the common rhetoric is. What Again, whether it be political, whether it be whatever, we're saying there's always a gospel kingdom solution. And that's the solution that we're shooting mm -hmm. for. So does that incorporate viewpoints that are represented elsewhere? Possibly. Possibly not. But we believe that the kingdom sets its own because of Jesus as our king and his kingdom. So he's the one who kind of sets it, that, not kind of sets it. He's the one who sets kingdom culture as the king. Hmm. So then we're saying, all right, what does the Bible and what does the king have to say? And if that includes things that other people have said, great. But most likely, it's going to be a wholly unique viewpoint because Jesus was wholly unique. He never got trapped by the questions by the Pharisees or by the lost. He's just like, well, actually, I'm just going to say what I say, and I'm going to ask a question. And it was always what people were not expecting. Mm -hmm. No, he never answered a question the way that people expected it. So when we approach these hot button critical, these, these critical issues that really do matter to people, it's more like, hey, you're entitled to what you think. But we've got this other way, 
and we're not saying it's better or worse than your way. It's just we think that this is the gospel kingdom solution or the grounds for gospel kingdom conversation. And that's where we're going to point to. So we're going to look ahead, not necessarily look behind or look kind of where we are. Let's look at what the kingdom values would be. And let's try to adopt those and implement those into our life. Oh, great. Okay. Well said. Thank you. We've talked about those three elements of campus ministry, a focus on spiritual growth, a focus on intellectual development, and a focus on ministry activism or missional engagement. You mentioned a fourth community, and I'll give you a chance to say anything else you want to say about how Navigators, beyond what you've already mentioned, really focuses on helps students develop community. That's a great question. So, you know, yeah, I've mentioned multiple different facets mm-hmm, at different mm-hmm. points in, in our conversation here where, you know, that's can be large group, that can be small group, that can be through summer training programs, that can be through mission trips, all of those assume community because community is integral to mission. I don't, they're not diametrically opposed things. You know, people might say, well, I'm either involved in mission or I'm involved in community. I I think they're, I think it's both. (laughs) I think it's both at the same time. Right. So, but, but another aspect of this community is for students, we try to help them identify what community are you in? What community or communities are you a part of? For instance, you know, obviously, and for good reason, this podcast is directed toward my professional life as a navigator, as a minister of the gospel. But there's a whole other part of my life that I'm involved in a special needs community because we have special needs children. Mm-hmm. So we're part of this whole other community. And some of that overlaps with my missional community, my navigator community, and but most of it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so we're in relationship with people who are special needs parents themselves and the unique challenges that we face. So as we engage with students, well, what communities are you a part of? And how can you be a part of influencing that community for the gospel and for the kingdom of God? Again, it's about advancing the gospel of Jesus and his kingdom to us. You know, so again, for a student, like Brian was helping, hey, who on your floor knows Jesus? And I'm like, I don't know. When he first asked me that question, I didn't know the answer because I wasn't paying attention to where I was living. And so then he's like, well, why don't you figure it out? And then, hey, who in your classes? Who, who knows Jesus? So he was teaching me how to see my community Mm -hmm. and see the people that I was rubbing shoulders with. Now, what he wasn't saying was you need to go to I was in a fraternity in college. So he he was not saying you need to go to all of the fraternities and make sure that they know Jesus. He's like, just think about yours. (laughs) Just think about your community in the fraternity. And it was that was it was a mind blowing thing for me to change my paradigm a little bit, because, yes, we've got the nations in our sights. But all of us aren't traveling around to every single country or every single people group. We're not going to learn all the languages, but I can influence the people that I'm right around. So in addition to that very like kind of greenhouse effect experiences for our students and with our students within the ministry side, we're also trying to help them see missionally what, what they're a part of already and then bring the gospel into that. All right. So community means two things. It means the community of believers that are gathered together in the navigators group, as well as the missional community one is called to serve. 
Yes. Yes. Right? So fellowship. Yeah. So fellowship to me, fellowship is always missional. It, it, mm. it matters and it means something to me and it helps me walk with Jesus and be missional, but fellowship itself is missional. And so we, cause we believe like this is where we see in the new Testament, particularly through the book of acts. And then you can see evidence of it in first Thessalonians chapter one, where it's like this community wasn't just sitting in a room eating dinner together, you know, talking about, oh man, wasn't that cool what Paul said the other day? No, they're <laughs> thinking, how do we get this out there? So fellowship by its very nature is missional. So okay. it's it's sort of like a continuum where we fellowship helps me, it blesses me, but it also encourages me to be outside of it. So I think that's okay. a critical piece. Got it. Got it. Well, thanks, Ben. Uh, as we draw to a close, I'm going to pull back and ask a 35,000 foot question. It's going to be the easiest question I've asked and the hardest question I've asked. <laughs> All right. So what would you say in summary as to why students should consider being a part of a navigator chapter on campus? I mean, it's easy because it's your job. It's hard because you know, as you mentioned, all the ministries are great and you all work together. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to ask you to, uh, to, to toot your own horn a little bit and <laughs> make the case that students need to make sure they check out NAVS when they show up on campus. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I think there's probably a couple of ways to answer it. One is we believe that you need a home on campus, a place where you can say, these are my people and this is my place. And because campuses are large and scary <laughs> and there's a lot going on on those places that can draw you in and the navigators can be, and again, so can the other ministries, but you need a home on the campus. The second part would be, we believe seriously in what we would call lifelong laboring that in order for Revelation 7-9 to be real, for us to live into the reality of Revelation 7-9, all believers need to be engaged in the Great Commission. So if that's something that you're interested in, if you're interested in having a kingdom impact that actually helps paint that picture in Revelation 7-9, be a part of the Navigators because we want to help you be a part of that for the rest of your life. We'll teach you things now that can help you when you're 40, 50 years old in ministering to your neighbors, ministering to your non-believing family, raising your kids. We can be a part of all of those things to help you be a lifelong, impactful disciple maker in the kingdom. Great. Was there anything else you want to make sure we touch on before we wrap up? You know, I, we've covered a lot of ground here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> covered a lot of ground here. I, I'm thankful for the opportunity and just want to lift Jesus high. That's again, that's what we're about. We're about his glory. I remember being at the University of Florida and I was my first year at Florida was the first year that Tim, it was Tim Tebow's freshman year. So uh, we were going into sort of the dynasty years at UF. And right. I remember walking that stadium, going row by row, going around it. And we would pray for that stadium and we would say, Lord, we want your name to be more famous than the players, than the coaches, than all the trophies in this. They got a $2 million room just for the trophies. You know, I mean, it's just, Lord, we want your name to be the famous one, not football, not a coach, not a player. And so we, we just, that's what we're serious about. We're serious about lifting the name of the Lord very, very high. And we believe that it's done through disciple making. Great. Where can listeners go to get more information on the Navigators? 
Yeah, you can go to navigators.org. That's our public website. And that is the from there, you can get into all the different ministry contexts that we're involved in. You can find our campus page there. You can find the military page there, all the different ministry targets that we're a part of. You can find them right there. And uh, it's all at navigators.org. Well, Ben, this has been so helpful to me personally, and I know will be to our listeners as well. Thanks for taking the time and thanks for your ministry. Well, thanks for reaching out, Stan. I appreciate this very much. Appreciate the opportunity to to share what, what the Lord is doing. That brings us to the end of this edition of the College Faith Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation at the intersection of Christian conviction and higher education. Be sure to check out today's show notes at collegefaith.net slash podcasts, where you can find more information and links to the resources we discussed. If you found this podcast helpful, please help spread the word by liking my College Faith Facebook page at facebook.com slash collegefaith and pass this show on to others who may enjoy hearing our conversation. Please do visit our sponsor, Global Scholars, to help equip Christian professors to be salt and light for Christ on their campuses. Until next time, this is Stan Wallace encouraging you to love the Lord your God with both heart and mind during the university years and beyond.